ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of Game Rebels. I am one of your hosts, Maximilian X, coming to you as always. Uh, with me here is the lovable, the huggable, the unstoppable Sean Templar. How's it going, Sean? Please don't call me huggable, because that's the last thing that I am, <laughs> huggable. But I'm good, thanks for asking. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. It's been it's been a it's been, it's been two weeks again. <laughs> it has. It's always my favorite uh, time to uh, record. I'm always looking forward to recording a new episode. It's funny is that before we started recording, I said like I it feels like nothing happened these past two weeks, and then you said like oh well, a lot of things happened, and I don't know why I kind of missed it all. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm a bit surprised by it. Yeah, um, there's a lot to talk about. Um, no special guest this week. Uh, maybe, maybe next time. But uh, that's a f- that's okay. We got a lot of news to cover anyway. So let's just jump right into it. Uh, I'm gonna start off with, I think is um, probably the most interesting thing because it's gonna have a really big impact moving forward into gaming. Um, it's the thing that we all love to hate: loot boxes, because you know. Oh, uh, fun. But recently in Germany, they uh, they have banned loot box or games with loot boxes for minors. So you can't have a game that's targeted towards minors in Germany anymore with loot boxes in them. So depending on how you look at it, and um, I'm just looking at the article right now, is basically. Um, it's still waiting its final approval, but I'm assuming it's gonna end, it, it's not gonna end well for um, loot box loving game publishers. Um, it's part of a of an act that they call the Youth Protection Act, um, which seeks to defend minors from being in, uh, incentivized to make purchases or perform gambling like acts in video games. Uh, while loot boxes are not being banned outright, games that contain loot boxes will now be classified with a higher age rating in Germany. And if you already know how very, very strict they are with loot, uh, uh, not loot, with age ratings in Germany for video games, that basically means that anything that has loot boxes will get a higher rating. If it, for example, is rated for ages three and up and it has loot boxes it's probably going to be rated um probably ages 12 and up or maybe even higher than that um they might basically outright say no this has loot boxes you have to age it for ages 16 and up because that's the i think i think because germany has their own rating system outside of the peggy rating system um I think it's true because they a lot of games are either changed specifically for the German market. I remember with, mm-hmm. uh, I think with Gears of War, that either the blood in the game was was changed or the dismemberment isn't in there. Or I, I remember seeing these things like that for certain games that are gory, for example, they get like a different version for uh, the German market. I, I wonder with these things if, for example, the... Um, if it will impact something like a FIFA Ultimate Team, because uh, FIFA is pretty big in Europe, I think it, it's also pretty big in Germany. So I wonder if it's if it's going to impact that as well, because yes, um, there's a career mode in FIFA, 
but the main source of income for EA through FIFA is the ultimate team where you have to buy these in-game cards that determine if you get a certain player or not. So I wonder if it's going to impact those things as well. Um, well that's and, the question, right? Because what's the age rating on like FIFA? I think it's something like E for everyone. Uh, yeah, but like the European rating. No, it's three. It's three. Well, it's three. there you no, have it's it. It's Peggy three. So Peggy three means ages three and up, which means that if they still want to include something like Ultimate, Fee, uh, Ultimate Team, they'd have to put it on Peggy 16. At the very least, because Peggy 12 would still be a minor. Yeah, that, and that way they don't... exclude like a whole group of players. Yeah, because that means that in Germany, if you want to buy FIFA, you have to, you might get carded if you buy FIFA. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I understand the need in the industry to create different streams of revenue. I mean, the days that where you buy a game for 60 bucks and that that's basically um, your only point of income from a game. I understand that that's gone because, you know, developers just want to make more money, which is obvious. But we'll get to that in a bit. But like my issue is is that um, that they're they're resorting to such matters or such ideas that it's just really becoming hard to to enjoy a game because in in some cases whole games are built around how can we mine your wallet to put it that way uh, or squeeze out every dime you have instead of saying like for example I, I mentioned it last episode Outriders. Yeah. The developer of Outrider said, we're going to make an old school game where we just release the game. There isn't a season pass. There isn't any other extra stuff you have to purchase for the game. You just buy the game and you play the game. And yeah. the fact that they have to say this is an old school game, I'm like, what? I mean, that's how games are supposed to be, right? Like, I don't mind spending money on top of what I did. But it should be optional. It shouldn't be locked behind it. I remember um, a couple of years ago, there was this whole issue around Assassin's Creed Odyssey in which apparently Ubisoft slowed down the middle part of the game and dragged it on to incentivize people to buy XP boosters so that they will level up faster and do main quests. I don't think they ever got to prove it that it was that way, but it was like a, a controversy around it. And... Since then, Ubisoft has, has, of course, learned from it. But the fact that a developer was able to do that for a game... It's kind of scary. It's scary because... Let me put it this way. There, when you buy a certain game, you don't have a lot of options to buy another kind of game. It's, it's, if you like, for example, a game like The Division, you, you buy The Division because there are things in the game that appeal to you. But if they... The Division, for example, doesn't do this, but I'm just using it as an example... If they lock a lot of stuff in the division behind paywalls or loot boxes or whatnot, it's not like you have a choice because there isn't another division game from someone else that you can play. This is basically the only game you can play. So you're also being cornered into a certain position. Well, I mean, that's part of it. But don't forget that the other part of the reason why this um, act is probably on the verge of becoming law in Germany is that um, and I don't know if that's something that you've experienced, but that is so, that is something that I have experienced, and that um, that it certain loot box games really do have that feeling of like just one more pull, and then my and you might be able to get it. 
Um, kind of like the gambling aspect. Yeah, so the gambling aspect is the real issue here in, in this case. And I have to agree with that aspect. It's like, that is really bad. That's not something you should expose kids to, right? Uh, yeah. Because at least with an adult, you can say, well, they're an adult. They can, you know, they have the decision to make for themselves. But if you're conditioning kids to already do something like that, you're basically breeding a new generation of uh, gambling addicts that are going to always be in debt. Yep. And that is not something that you want. You do not want to like manipulate young minds that are still growing and learning about the value of a euro or the value of a dollar or the value of a, whatever your currency is in your country by offering them this taste of what, you know, what the real world's like. It's not cool. Yeah, another so, problem of the system is that it because it is so successful, it's there's no incentive to stop doing it. Exactly. That's why. That's why I'm not against microtransactions. If you're gonna be like, we're selling cosmetic stuffs for cheap, right? Like yeah. for a buck. That's fine. The problem is when you turn that into a chance-based mini game, where you have to pay into it so that you get that ultra rare skin, which does nothing but look pretty. That's when you have the problem. Yep. And I think the reason why um, the reason why I don't hate it, but at the same time I kind of do, is like Epic does it right with Fortnite because Fortnite does not have loot boxes. No, it has least, cosmetic skins. It only has cosmetic skins, and you have to pay for them outright. Yeah, you buy V bucks, and with your V bucks, you can buy a Kratos or a Master Chief skin, for example. For example, you don't have to. You know, draw off the luck. Maybe I'll get the Kratos skin, or yeah. maybe I'll get the ultra rare Kratos skin that has a kitty on his shoulder, or whatever, or like a tiny Titan on his shoulder, or whatever. That would be you a know? cool skin. But uh, that yeah. would be a cool skin. But I would not. <laughs> but I would not gamble for that opportunity. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's also kind of the problem that I have with like most and the most Japanese games or Asian games um, is that they use that that loot box or gacha system in that same way like for example if you look at if you even like take a peek at um twitter and you and you look for genshin impact tweets it's all about the super rare draws uh, drops and they're all like random sometimes you'll be lucky and you'll get a character but most of the times you're only getting weapons which is fine but you really want that character and they really market like oh this character is really cool and has these moves and blah 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 and you really want them but you can't buy them outright you can't say like oh this character i want i'll just buy the ability to, to play that character no you have to luck into it by either playing a lot of it or paying money so that you can do more draws i think that the fundamental issue with the system is that and I think that they kind of did it because of a necessity is that if they give you the option as a player to buy the skin, you might either not buy it or you just buy it once and that's it. Whereas when they make it a chance thingy, then you will just keep on buying because exactly. one, you want to get it and you keep on buying until you get it or you just buy it because there are other incentives as well because um, I think the way Fortnite is doing it is, is really nice because they just add cool stuff and they, add, I mean, like 
I don't play Fortnite. I stopped playing it years ago. But if I were to pick it up now, I definitely would want to play as a Master Chief or as Kratos. So I wouldn't mind buying that outfit. But if I were to play FIFA Ultimate Team, because I think FIFA Ultimate Team is like a perfect example of this, is I have to buy these card packs to draw players. And hopefully I draw a good player so I can form a good team so I can win matches. But it's based on luck. It's not based. It's not like if you buy this card pack, you will get these players. It's like if you buy this card pack, you you might get this player. And I think that because... There, I, I, it's probably something that came over from mobile gaming because that's why all those mobile games are free to play and they hook you with diamond chests or whatever is in those chests. I mean, even Star Wars Battlefront 2 had the issue just yeah. before launch. They, they pulled it out, but um, that caused a lot of backlash as well. So, yeah, Apex I mean... Apex does it too. Oh, really? Well, Apex Legends has loot box, but I... Uh, okay, I I just recently played it because it came to Switch. Um, but if you level up, you tend to get loot boxes on the regular. So it's kind of like how Overwatch does it. But I think with Overwatch, you also have the ability to pay to buy loot 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 boxes in that one as well. So I'm not a hundred percent sure. I don't know. Uh, I don't own. I I've played like a few rounds of Overwatch. I don't actually own a copy of Overwatch. Um, I'll have to look into the Apex Legends one thing again. I just played it just to see how it looks like on Switch. We'll get into it and what we've been playing. But um, yeah, suffice to say, Panic Button is rolling like rolling in the projects. That's that's all I'm saying. <laughs> if, if you do good, if you do a good job, you'll be rewarded with extras, right? What in like Apex Legends? No, I mean, like, Panic Button has done, I think, Doom as well, right? They have done a lot of games. Yeah, so, so they, like, they because did all they, the Doom games. They did Did they, they also did do Rocket the Witcher? League. Did they do The they Witcher? They did not do The Witcher. But, like, I think because they delivered such good ports, they get rewarded with even more work because oh, they yeah, have, like, yeah, this yeah. reputation of, hey, these are the guys that know what they're doing. And these are yeah, the guys have, that... Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have so much lined up that I know that from a the from an interview that I think the studio head or something had two years ago when um before Doom Eternal was announced they were like yeah we got we're getting a lot of these projects but we also want to start working on our own games but they keep getting projects to port games it's uh it's almost like Bluepoint uh they have the same thing because the rumors that have been floating around for a while is that Sony's gonna buy Bluepoint because of the great ports they did, such as Shadow of the Colossus and mm. Demon Souls and uh, other stuff. And that one of the terms for Bluepoint is, we're fine being taken over. We're fine doing all these remasters or remakes, but we also want to shot an original IP. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I can understand that from a studio point of view. Yeah, you don't want to be the guys that just remake stuff. True, but then again... Um... Where's Ready at Dawn? Have we heard anything from Ready at Dawn in like forever? Yeah, they're not, not since, owned by not Sony, since... but they're doing like their own stuff. I think they, they did. No, they work closely with Sony because they did uh, some PSP stuff like uh, the Daxter games. And I think they, they and also they did the God of Wars. Uh, and they did the God of Wars. And then they also did The Order 1886. And after that, I cannot. I think they started to do VR stuff, but I cannot remember if they did anything. Triple A, to put it that way, after the order, eighteen eighty six. 
I have no idea. So they did The Order, and then they did a game called The Formers, and then they did a game called Echo Arena, Lone Echo, Echo Combat, Lone Echo Wait, 2. Seriously? Oh, yeah. wow. Okay, they've been busy. Okay, but never mind. Those I are wasn't... all, I think, PR games. Wow, okay. I was, I was really... Yeah, okay. Wow, they've been doing a lot of Oculus stuff since 2017. Yeah, so The Formers is a console game. It's a multiplayer brawler game. Mm. And all those Echo games I mentioned are for the Oculus Rift. Yeah. Uh, with one to be announced, Lone Echo 2. Oh, okay, all right. They've been busy. I, I, I legit thought they were bought by Sony at a certain point. I, guess I think there were some rumors that they might, but I think, I don't know if the Order 1886 had to do something with it because it underperformed. But that's one of those games that's actually a hidden gem. I'm actually surprised that they haven't announced like a enhanced version of that. Uh yeah. Yeah. So I guess time will tell. Like like I said, odds are this uh this youth act in Germany is gonna get passed. Um that's gonna have a way bigger impact on the European Union because like the Netherlands and Belgium have done this before already. Yeah. Which have made certain games unavailable, which I've noticed recently. So, for example, um, a game that came out last year called, oh gosh, what was it called again? Uh, Ninjala is not available in the Netherlands, like at all. You can't download it in the it. eShop. It's, it kind of looks, it kind of looks, it's basically ninjas. It's like Splatoon ninjas. Okay. Um, but with bubblegum. Sounds good. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I had, like legit, I had to download it. From the from my American Switch account, so that I could actually try it out. So I'm essentially playing against people in the U.S. or people in Europe that where it wasn't banned because it uses loot. It loses the gacha system. Mm. It has a gacha system, and I think that's why it uh, it's not available in the Netherlands. And I tried to get answers, but nobody's answered me on this. And the same thing I recently found out. About PSO2. Fantasy Star Online? Yeah, Fantasy Star Online 2. I tried to download because I found out that the European version finally launched in August of last year. I'm like, okay, sweet. It's on Steam now. So I type in Steam, Fantasy Star Online 2. Nothing. I'm like, wait, that does not make sense. I see in this article right here that it says it's available in Europe. Then I was like, why is this not available? Oh, wait, this thing has loot boxes, doesn't it? Yeah, that is not fun. I'm really, I'm really disappointed because I wanted to play. I know I've talked about it before, but I really wanted to play um, uh, PSO2 for the longest time. And now apparently that it's available in Europe, I still can't play it because of this stupid rule. Which makes no sense because Genshin Impact is something that I can download on my PlayStation 4 and play. Despite the fact that that has the biggest gacha system I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where the, the line is, but this is not cool. I want this fixed so I can play, play the Fantasy Star Online 2. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Sorry. End Ranch. Um... Just wanted, to, just wanted to rant about that because I found about it. I found out about it last week. I was so disappointed. Um, 
Yeah, so speaking of people paying a hefty price, the CEO of Take-Two um, has reiterated that his views that the decision to charge 70 bucks for next the next-gen versions of NBA 2K21 was the correct one and that we, the people, were ready for this increase. <laughs> I don't um... know about you, but if I go to the store and I see the PlayStation 4 version for 10 bucks cheaper than the PlayStation 5 version, I'm picking up the PlayStation 4 version because I have a, for one, I have a PlayStation 4 and I didn't have to scalp for it. And two, it's cheaper on there. Why on earth would I get the more expensive version when it's literally the same game? Because the PS5 version is prettier. Ooh, 4K. Hey, 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 hey. Just because you don't have a 4K TV doesn't mean that it's a... I mean, I can tell you, I, I played games on PC in 4K and I've played games on PS5 in 4K. And I've had... I've, I've seen... Battlefield 5 is the best difference I can give you because I played it on mm. PC. When I went from full HD to 4K on that game, it felt like a whole new game and, and dimension and world and whatever you want to call it. It felt like it, I was playing a completely new game um, because of the 4K graphics, because everything was more sharper and prettier. It's like, holy crap, I'm playing something completely else right now. Okay, fine. But, but... The, the price increase is not justifiable because... Especially I here. Yeah, because, because here... We went from we went from 60 to 80. Yeah, and I think the reason why we went from 60 to 80 is because... Um, I think MSRP for us was 70, but they never sold it at 70. They always sold it at 60. And I think in America, MSRP was 60. And so they just increased MSRP to 70 in America. So it makes more sense there because there it's a price hike of 10 euros. For us, it's a price hike of eight, of 20 euros. Because if you, I, I have a digital edition PS5. I deliberately chose one. Um, and, and people will say, ah, but you're paying 80 bucks for your games. I'm like, uh, yeah, I do. And yes, that is a bummer because it's also, there's like a, a difference. I mean, the PlayStation games are almost all 80 euros, the, the Sony games. But if you look at third party games, most of them are 70 euros. So they still choose to kind of sell it for 10 euros less. It doesn't say it, it might not increase. Cause I remember Ubisoft saying last year, Hey, um, we're just gonna keep our current games on the release schedule at seventy. We might or at sixty. We might go to seventy later in the future. But for now, we're gonna sell everything at sixty euro dollars. Um, so we don't know. And I mean, like, if you look at it from the broader point of view, game development has become a whole lot more expensive. So True. I understand why they want to. I mean, they eventually have to offset it somewhere, right? You can probably take it out of the promotional budget. Um, because let's be honest, know. the most, especially during the pan, especially during the pandemic, something that really stuck to me is that, you know, the reason why they allocated like half of their production budget to like, um, to like PR stuff, is because they had PR events that were ridiculous and elaborate, especially with some of these third party stuff. Like if you listen to uh, the previous episode, 
where we had Havoc on. Yeah, he told about he, Medal of Honor. Exactly. He was talking about his Medal of Honor experience, and that costs a pretty penny. That is yeah. not cheap. And that also comes out of the production cost for that game. But it has nothing to do with the actual game itself. I, I agree. I wonder if if because of the pandemic, they found different ways to do stuff. I mean, they still had this. Like, from what I understood, a lot of... Uh, a lot of ways games are, I don't know if it's still the same, but last year, a lot of was was just like a press event in which people would just join a Discord and th- journalists would join a Discord and they would get like a digital presentation of the game that they're looking at. And in some cases, they could just take over a remote PC and play the game. And I wonder if developers and publishers haven't kind of like seen like, hey, this still works. So why should this also work? So why should we after the pandemic passes, put all our money into promotional big scale events. Why don't we just use smaller scale events and just do it that way? I mean, like I I was talking to somebody about this and like what you see is, is, is for example, in the YouTube community and in other social communities is that, for example, they just give a game to uh, a big channel and they say like, Hey, here's a game. And we, in return, we just want you to talk about the game. And then, uh, for example, uh, Jacksepticeye is a YouTuber, has 25 million followers. He did a video with Watch Dogs Legion a couple of months ago for Ubisoft that we just went out and played. He did like a one hour, two hour video where he was playing Watch Dogs Legion. He get, Ubisoft basically gets possibly 25 million people seeing that video. And all they had to do was, there's maybe more, but from what we can see is, is they gave the game for free to him. He played it. Because that's a ter- the condition, probably. You have to play it for X amount. And then they get 25 million exposure, possibly. But they probably also paid him. I'm not sure. Because if you look at, uh, for example, other communities, I've been told that they just get free stuff. And in return for the free stuff, there are terms such as a post or a story or a whatever. And that's it. Not even money. Because... I think that's one of the the key benefits of YouTube is that people can make money off of YouTube. Whereas with certain social media platforms, there is no way of monetizing it as a creator unless you're a business. So from from what I understood, a lot of other social media outlets where there are bigger accounts, they're just like, hey, we can give you free stuff, but that's the only thing we're giving you. And then I think for a lot of those people, it's like, hey, I'm getting free stuff. I don't have to buy games anymore. So that's the saving I make. So I'll say yes to free stuff. Well, okay. That's for like the majority of them tend to like get free stuff. But then there are those rare entities. Like, for example, like two years ago when Apex Legend came out um, and like Ninja and all these people were playing it, they were paid to play. Yeah, but I think that that more has to do with like the level of how big you are. So if you're, I think a Jacksepticeye could easily get money for it. Definitely. But that's because... He brings an uh, uh, he adds some value in the negotiation by saying, "I have an audience of twenty five million. That's m- worth more than just you giving me a free game for this." But like, if you're a smaller creator where you have a following of well, what's, uh, what shall we say, uh, ten thousand, twenty thousand, maybe for a big publisher, that's like, yeah, we can give you a game, but we're not going to pay you for this because yeah. you know we can go to people that have hundreds of thousands of followers 
that have more reach and we can give them money because we get more out of it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's also, but that's also cutting into that promotional budget, right? If you're going to do it that way, if you're just going to smaller. But I think that's cheaper than doing the whole, I think that will, if going forward will maybe be more effective and cheaper for publishers because they're like, we don't have to hire a whole military outfit, Jeeps, uh, we don't have to hire a five-star hotel. We don't have to get a B-52 bombers. Like I'm just using Havoc's example. We don't have to put all our money into creating this World War II simulation for journalists so that they will talk about our game and then in the end rate our game bad because unfortunately Medal of Honor Airborne didn't rate as high. But I think it's, I, I hope for the sake of developers and publishers that they're like, you know, we can save a lot of money if we just don't do these crazy absurd events because we basically survived the year in the pandemic and still were able to sell our game. So um, maybe we should just reallocate that money into other stuff. Yeah, like straight into the pockets of the CEOs. I don't know about that. I I think <laughs> that would be like horrible because CEOs <laughs> of of the of game company of publishers get gazillions, yeah, if not more. Okay. So. Um, yeah, and yeah. also it means that they are out of touch, you know, like the CEO from Take Two. Jeez, that is like the most out of touch thing that you can add, possibly say, by the way. So, I don't know. Um, yeah. We'll see um, how, how much that of an impact that is. There's also not a lot of games out for like the new system, so we don't know how far reaching this, far reaching of an impact this will have on sales in general. We have no idea. I guess we'll see. I guess the uh, I, the most obvious thing will be like this holiday season but, is when we'll probably get a better like. I think better view starting of that, like if you look at from PlayStation side, I'd say, for example, at the end of April we're getting Returnal. In June we're getting uh, Ratchet and Clank. In August we're getting Kenna. Uh, April 1st, we're getting Outriders, but that's a multi-platform game. So, like, I so think... What, what, what? So is Kenna. Yeah, but it's like Outriders is coming to PS4, Xbox, PC. Kenna is more like console exclusive to PlayStation. True. So, like, I think starting from... Because uh, I don't know what Returnal will do. But let's say, like, starting from the summer or end of the summer, you will see it ramp up slowly to, to bigger, better games. Um, I know that the whole of the Xbox community is probably betting on, on Halo Infinite. Um, that would be nice. Uh, I, buy, I just sent you an article, by the way, in which the, the 343 said Halo Infinite is not an open world game. And I thought that was the whole selling point of Halo Infinite, that it was an open world game. Okay. Yeah, so they did like a broadcast. This is like a side tangent. They did a YouTube broadcast in which they gave some more insights into the game. And apparently they've said mm, it's not an open world game. We have things in there, open world elements, but it's not a full open world game. Really? And I, as far as I remember, when they announced this game, it was all around Halo Infinite is an open world Halo game. You can go wherever you want. You can do whatever you want. And this could possibly be... Um, because of scale scaling it down to get to that 2021 launch because the game has had a rocky development so it could be that they just cut stuff out because they were like 
well, we have to do something because we're committed to the 2021 holiday launch. Well, it's still having dynamic day and night cycles, and I think uh, there's a wind system. There are no rain or snowstorms at launch, but could be added at a later date. So weather is not fully implemented, but there is a wind system. So tornadoes? I don't know. Yeah, they, um, regarding open world, they said the game is not open world, but inspired by missions like Silent Cartographer. Yeah. Oh, the uh, skybox will be full 3D model. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So that's, that means that they're probably also modeling, like, I don't know if there's clouds on the on a Halo ring, but if there are clouds, those are, like, 3D rendered with, like, crazy. Wow, that's crazy. I'm thinking more of, sorry, I'm I'm just thinking more of the technological aspect of this stuff. And it sounds like they're doing really crazy stuff already, even if it's not going to be open world. Um, but yeah, that's okay. That's that's an interesting aspect. I'm still curious to see if they're going to hit the holiday season because I'm assuming that's what they're aiming for. Um I think if yeah, they fail to get to the holiday season, I, I don't. I, I mean, that will be like a massive blow to the Xbox community because they were promised Halo for 2020. Now they're being promised 2021. If they don't make it, I think all of their goodwill with their uh, audience it will kind of be gone because you know. And I mean, you can throw the argument around like. Yeah, but it's being postponed because it's necessary to make the game better. Yeah, but then just say we're just postponing the game. We're not giving you a release date. We'll release it when it's done. That is a whole different statement than it's coming out of 2021. I think the reason why they can't do that with Halo is because of uh, investors, shareholders. Um, Yeah, so I I mean, I guess we'll see. Speaking of Microsoft, actually, uh, I think we talked about this like a little while ago in terms of at least with, I think it came out around the same time with people talking about drift on DualSense controllers. Um, right before that, there was a there was a little bit of a rumble with um, Xbox Series controllers having issues. Yeah, disconnecting that, or something. Yeah, like disconnecting issues and some other stuff. Um, and just like un- unresponsive controllers. And uh, it seems that Microsoft now has officially acknowledged that it is a problem with those controllers, with those controllers specifically, the ones that you get with the Series S, Series S and Series X. Um, and they are working on a fix. What that is, I, we don't know yet. There's um, an update coming out soon and they should fix it from what I understood. Yeah. Um, let me just look through the... Uh, let me see if we can find it here. Um, yeah, Microsoft has said is, is uh, Microsoft said it's aware of the situation and is working on a solution, though we don't know when it might arrive or what it might entail. Um, so it could be a software solution. I think they're probably going to start with that. Um, but if it isn't a software solution, they're probably going to go to the next step. Um, which is see what what specific, what specifically on the hardware is the problem because apparently it's not just um, the regular ones or at least not for now it's the regular ones we don't know if the elite controllers are are having a similar issue but I think the elite controllers had a completely different issue um, like last year or something 
So, uh, yeah, at least they're acknowledging it, unlike Sony. <laughs> yeah, but I, uh, what I don't and understand, Nintendo. Yeah, okay, like no, to be fair, Nintendo does acknowledge it. They're just not doing anything about it, which is probably even scummier. What you'll probably see is that with the Switch, whatever Pro or the Super Switch or whatever they call it, is that they will do a revision to the uh, to the Joy Cons in which they fix that problem. But like, let me put it this way: I do not understand where the whole issue with Sony and the DualSense is coming from because it's basically, from what I understood, the same analog module component they use on the DualShock Four. If it was such a big issue, then we would have seen this issue or this whole controversy pop up on DualShock 4 controllers already. So I, I'm a bit surprised as to why people are saying, oh, DualSense, Drift, la, I, la, la, la. Actually, um, there was a teardown of that. And I think that the, um, the thing that came out of the DualSense one is, is not the problem that the mechanic is at fault. It's that they kind of cheaped out on the parts of the mechanic. Okay. I know so, what you mean. I've seen the teardown as well. They're talking yeah. about a specific component and that it is only rated for 417 hours or something like that. And after that, you should be able to get drift. Um, yeah. I haven't spent 417 hours on my DualSense. No, that's because you keep playing on your PlayStation 4. <laughs> or I play PlayStation 4 games on my PS5. Uh, but anyways... Um, I mean, I spent 72 hours on the Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Whew. Of uh, Valhalla. Um, <laughs> but, like, I, I don't know. Because if it is a genuine issue, one, people should be able to get warranty on it. So that should be fixed by that. And secondly, if it's really, really a big issue, I know that Sony has done revisions in the past. So they'll probably set up a quality program and say, like, you know what? Yes, this is an issue. Here's this quality program. We're coming out with a new DualSense. You can send in your old DualSense and we'll swap it out for a new one. Well, the problem with, apparently, at least in the U.S., is that Sony is acknowledging the... is is saying, like, oh, if you have an issue, that's fine. Send it in. But you have to pay for sending it in. Well, that's like a cheap move. They could at least cover the shipping fees. Yeah, because at least with the same thing also goes for Nintendo. I've had to send Joy-Cons in before. You just get a shipping label that you stick on the on the on the box, and then you ship it. Normally, that's what always happens. Xbox did things. the same. Yeah, exactly. Because Xbox did the same thing when I had the Red Ring of Death back in the day. Yeah. Print out the shipping label, slap that on a box, and send that thing on its way. But like, is Sony really saying you need to pay for your own shipping? I mean, I can't. At the very least, in the that. US, it is. When you get it back, they pay for the shipping. Yeah. But if you're sending it to them, you have to pay for the shipping yourself. If you had to pay I don't know for, if, I. Doubt that it's the same thing here in the Euro in Europe, but in the US, that's the reporting. I I think if Sony said you have to pay for shipping it back to you, then they would burn down Sony HQ in America. Yeah, but not shipping it back to you, shipping it to them. Yeah, I know, but you say like they pay for shipping when they ship it back to you. I mean, like yeah. if they said no, 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 you also have to pay to have it shipped back for to you. I think they would burn <laughs> down the Sony PlayStation HQ in America. I mean, players were like, or they would just all throw their DualShocks at the at the, at the, all the windows or something like that. I mean, companies are crooks, but this would be like really, yeah, yeah. But the main issue there is like it's not like you can pick up a new controller anyways because those are also hard to come by. Plus, it's sixty bucks. 
I, to be honest, I from the people that I know that have a PS5, I think I've heard. I don't know if it's drift or something. I haven't asked that person, but I know two people that had mm-hmm. controller issues. Um, I don't know if one had drift or not, but he basically just bought a new controller, shipped his old one off to have it replaced. Uh, I don't know if he's going to ship the new one back when he gets his replaced controller. Mm-hmm. But he was like, you know, this shit happens. I have warranty for this. Um, they'll fix it on a warranty. And the other person, I don't know if it was, I think it was Drift, but that's like the only person I've heard of so far that I know that has Drift. But then again, I mean, I've had PS4 controllers with Drift, and that's probably because I dropped it too many times. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so who knows what how that's going to end up going. Um I do want to. I do want to go back a little bit to we were talking about how how much people were making money during the pandemic. Because um, apparently Activision doesn't need to make games anymore. Because uh, the the last quarter they made one point two billion dollars on microtransactions alone. I can tell you for a fact that I bought, I think. Three or four times last year, I bought the Battle Pass for Call of Duty. You and it's... were part of the problem. Yeah, but like the problem, no, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's, yeah, I think it's two or three times because, and that's the the the, the how they get you in the system is that they uh, they put all these cool stuff behind the Battle Pass, and I'm like, fine, and you can get Call of Duty coins or points for it. A thousand yeah. Call of Duty points is uh, one Battle Pass. Yeah. And if you play, if you go through the battle pass and you level up in the battle pass, you get Call of Duty points for it. So, so eventually, I got to the point where my battle pass was free every time because I kept investing time in the battle pass and going through the tiers, and I got the thousand points a couple of times. Yeah. But like, I've also had an instance in which I had nine hundred points and I needed a hundred points to get the battle pass for free. But and you can't buy a hundred points. You have to buy immediately yeah. a thousand. Yeah, and if you don't have the battle pass, you still progress through the battle pass. Yeah. But eventually they stop giving you Call of Duty points for free. You have to have the battle pass to get the Call of Duty points for free. So like at that moment I stopped buying the battle pass. I was like, if I have nine hundred points and you can't just yeah. give me a hundred points to get this stupid battle pass, I'm just boycotting your battle pass right now. Yeah, that's how I stopped playing Fortnite because I was also, you know, I was also, it was back then it was a lot easier to get V-Bucks outside of the paid battle pass. So at a certain point I paid for it once and then I kept getting enough uh, V-Bucks to pay for substantial months. And then one time I wasn't playing a lot, so I didn't have, I was just 200 shy of being able to buy a new battle pass. I'm like, you know what? No, I'm done. <laughs> and that's how I was done with with Fortnite. So, um, yeah, it, it's mostly from Call of Duty Modern Warfare and from Warzone. So the multiplayer is not only war for not only Warzone is making them a lot of money, but the multiplayer on Call of Duty is making them a lot of money. So, yeah, um, and yet they still lay off people. Mm, gotta love capitalism. I th- I'm afraid with, with these things is this will be the model going forward because yeah, they that's just unfortunate. They make a lot of money out of it. And like the only people that might not do this are companies like Sony, PlayStation, and Nintendo. And if they do it, it will only be for cosmetic stuff. Because I, I think 
Destruction All Stars has microtransactions, but it's only for cosmetic stuff. Yeah. You don't need to pay to win, to put it that way. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, that's what Activision is also doing. It's not for. It's not like if you're into the. If you buy the Battle Pass, it doesn't mean that you get better equipment. It just means you get fancier looking equipment. Yeah. But they do kind of. Um, there's a lot more in there to incentivize you to get the Battle Pass. Yeah. Um, with check out this really cool gun skin. Ah, you know, buy this right now. Ah, you want a real yeah. cool skin for your character? Ah, and I'm like, other games don't bombard me. It's it's almost like YouTube. I mean, YouTube. Ha- I don't have YouTube Premium or Red or whatever you want to call it. So yeah. they shove uh, an ad in my face every five seconds. Yep. And I, I refuse to get YouTube Premium, even though I would love to watch stuff ad free. And I mean. Uh, the yeah, way that the premium is ridiculous in terms of pricing, though. Yeah, it's ten bucks a month just for, and it's like a, the it's, only no, part. It's it's twelve bucks a month. Oh, it's even more, and it's only and for ad-free stuff. Or at least that's yeah. the interesting part for me. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and if you and if you buy it through, like for example, like we have iPhones. If you buy it through the iPhone, it's like even more. Which really? Is like yeah, it's like sixteen bucks. Oh my god! And they probably yeah. need to compensate for giving a part away. I, I, I was talking to this uh, about, uh, last week or something with some people I play Call of Duty with. And I said, <laughs> it feels like my whole life is a subscription. Yeah. Because I have to just pay subscriptions for all sorts of stuff. <laughs> and then one of the guys said, I would take a subscription to your life. Or I would subscribe <laughs> to your life. And I'm like, what? <laughs> my life isn't that exciting. My Why? Life is Why would you do that? Like, because I can. <laughs> oh, that that sounds so creepy. Ugh. Well, the, the moment he said it, it was really funny. It really cracked me up. I was like, oh, oh no, it's funny, but that that line just makes it creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I know the guy well, so I know where it comes from. But that was really, it caught me off guard. But it was really funny. Yeah. Well, keep speaking of scummy. Um, how far are we into this already? Oh, okay, we're pretty far along. But I do want to talk about this one very specific um, news article because I think this would – I think I, if there was an award for most scummy news article in gaming for the year of 2021, this will probably be in the top spot. I don't think this is the scummiest one, but this is one of the most scummiest things I've ever heard of. So – um, this is more PC related, so I don't know a lot of people that even know about this game. But um, so there's this game called The Sinking City. Ah, yes. And it's a PC game. It's available. It was available on Steam, and the developer of the game, uh, for, uh, for, uh, how do you say this? Frogwares, yeah, Frogwares, um, has apparently had had this dispute with the the, the publisher called Nakon, uh, which is a Ukrainian studio. Um, they and, also make or, sorry, a, a French pro- the French publisher. The the studio is Ukrainian. Yeah, the Nakon also makes accessories. I know that they have like controllers and headsets and chairs and gaming, all gaming sorts of stuff. Yeah, okay. They're also like an officially licensed. Um, Accessory maker for PlayStation. I don't know if they also do it for Xbox. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, but that is not what we're 
with what we're talking about right now because that is not their issue. Their issue is that they've been in a dispute with the developer of the Sinking City for quite some time because they were not paying the developer what they were owed. So the developer decided, like, okay, if you're not going to pay us for this, we're just going to take the game down in protest because we are not getting money from this deal. So it was down for Steam for a while. And in that time, they were suing uh, Nakon because of the whole thing that was happening. And this, this goes back all the way to 2019, apparently. So fast forward to August of last year, they pulled the game. And in October, um, the Paris Court of Appeals uh, ruled uh, that Frogwares did that unlawfully, despite the fact that they are the developers, um, and they ordered the developers from not from from putting from not doing any other acts. So they're like, okay, fine, whatever, um, until you know the whole thing is resolved. So they're just waiting because at this point they still haven't uploaded it, and all of a sudden, the game suddenly appeared back on Steam. The developer didn't up upload it. The publisher did. But that makes no sense well, because the publisher didn't have the game code because they're a publisher. The developer did. They pirated, or not even, it wouldn't even be bad if they pirated the game. They had the developers hacked. Then they pirated that hacked copy from the developer back onto Steam. So that means that the, the publisher put a hacked a, a a a pirated version of a game that they published back on the storefront. The developer Frogwares found out about this, claimed that did a DMCA strike against the game, and had it taken down by Valve because Valve is apparently very very astute when it comes to DMCA strikes. So this is one of those things where. Um, they were able to use the system in their favor because this is not an insignificant thing that they're talking about. The reason why there's a lawsuit is because the royalties that the, the, the publisher apparently owes them is like around a million euros, which is not a small amount, especially for an indie developer. So it's kind of a... Ah, good grief. Oh, I almost said a very bad word. It's a very crappy move from the publisher to deny them their royalties and then pull a extra scummy move by stealing the game from the developer so that they can upload it and then continue making money off it while the developer does not see a dime. It sounds uh, really surreal, like uh, something out of a movie. I was about to say, I do want to see a movie about this, though. Like, I want to uh, see, like, the, the Lifetime movie of The Sinking City. I just want to see a Lifetime movie, like, just based around it. Super dramatized. There's, like, you know, Dutch angles and, like, super dramatic, like, um, what is it called again? Like, zoom-ins and whatnot. Close-ups. Close-ups and, and, like, very uncomfortable scenes of, like, silence and... Oh, my goodness. That would be, that heard, would be such a hilarious movie. I hear a... Uh... <laughs> new opportunity for you to uh, 
to uh, ex- di- d- uh, dive in and to become a movie director or uh, <laughs> or a scriptwriter. I do not have the insight for that, but I know that uh, there are people out there that are way more talented in doing that kind of stuff. So you know, uh, free idea, take it, do do what it that you please. But but be sure to credit Maximilian, or he will DMCA <laughs> you because you stole his idea. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, I don't think I would be as lucky as uh, Frogwares in that case. But that is ridiculous. That is li- like I don't know how you feel about this happening, but this is a very slippery slope for a publisher to do. Because just because they own the rights to publish the game doesn't mean that they can just, you know, mess with the with the developer and not pay them what they're owed. I don't know to what extent it's actually true. I mean, we're hearing one side of the story. um, And that is, I mean, because it sounds, I think it's, it's easy to blame the the publisher because it's David versus Goliath. And David is the, the, the independent publisher in this case. And people always side with David instead of with Goliath, because Goliath is in this case, maybe a, corporate company with a profit as their only uh, making a profit as their only goal or at least that's how a lot of corporations are perceived but i don't i mean i would love to hear the other side of the story but i think oh, we'll no, never, I totally do yeah too, we'll, we'll probably never hear that um i mean the yeah court really, the, the court uh, documents are i mean like i can i i cannot imagine that a company just hacks another company to get stuff. I mean, there are other ways to force... Uh, I mean, they could maybe go through court and say, hey, um, we've paid for a product. We have a verbal or written agreement that they were supposed to give us a certain product. Um, we want our, our our product back or something like that. And then they through a court document, they can maybe force the developer's hand to get it. But I, I mean, it just sounds so... Well, the, but, but that's what but that's what happened, right? Because the judge said, "Yo, you guys don't do anything until everything is sorted out," and then they went and did this. So they they were both basically said to like hold slow your rolls on whatever it is you were gonna do next, and like just have this shit like banged out and like fully researched. So yeah. <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. Man. I, I mean, I would love to hear both sides of the arguments, but as but from what from what I'm reading here and from how it's explained, it feels like um, the developers, at the very least, are at least in the aspect of them being robbed of the game and then being uploaded illegally, as their as their words is is. Yeah, that's really scummy. Like, not paying them is one thing, and if there's a legal battle, then fine. Like, have that shit... Whoops. Have that stuff, um, you know, play out. But it's really scummy to just steal the thing and then put it up and then pretend like nothing happened. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, uh, when it comes to stuff like this, I tend to, like, be more, like... um, for the developers, because I I know um, from firsthand that developing a game is not easy. Even that's if you're why making I'm a like very using... crappy looking game, it's not easy. That, that's why I'm using the example of uh, David, David versus Goliath. I think a lot of people will side with David because David is the little guy. And a lot of people always have like a, a soft spot for the little guy. 
because they can relate yeah. to the little guy. The little guy isn't a corporate entity that says, hey, I am a corporate entity because my goal is to make money because of capitalism. And don't we all just love money? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> still, there, there has to be a limit. There has to yeah, be. Yeah, I, I can understand. There is one thing that just popped into my mind, which is kind of like a turn of events. I wouldn't say turn of events, but uh, Microsoft this week officially completed the acquisition of Bethesda. And now Bethesda is officially part of Team Xbox. They made a cool video about it. They shared it. Uh, I think all of the Bethesda games are now available on Game Pass because they made like this whole post around, hey, these games are coming to Game Pass this week because of the acquisition. But the there are some thing- caveats in there, though. Like, yeah, for the- example, uh, Fallout New Vegas is only the console version. But I think the reason why it's only the console version is because apparently the PC version had some issues. Um, like really game breaking issues. I don't know if I'm assuming they eventually got fixed, but it's still weird that it's only that version that's available in Game Pass. But yeah, the thing I wanted to touch upon is that Microsoft has now said that games that are being made from Bethesda will be exclusive on play, PC and Xbox. Whereas before this, they were leaving it out vaguely, and now they've said we will certain games will probably be exclusive on Xbox and PC. They haven't specified if it's like a timed exclusive or temporary or whatever. That kind of, I thought it was funny because while the whole merger and acquisition was going on, they left it out really vaguely. They said, oh, we might do it. We might not. We're not sure. La, 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 la. And now they've come out and said like, yeah, they're going to be exclusive games on Xbox made by Bethesda. I think that... I. I think that one was still kind of up for debate. I think they said that, um, yeah, going forward, don't, ex- I mean, expect it to be like, at, at the very least, Xbox first um, when it comes to like Bethesda stuff. And I think they're looking at it on a game by game basis or something like that. So I think that's what they said during the, the acquisition. But now they've actually said like, yeah, we're probably gonna gonna do some Xbox and play PC exclusive. Yeah, games. but that would be so. I mean, it's it's the most logical thing. It's sure. just that it sounds like it almost sounds like we want. It's a people pleasing answer yeah. while we're doing an acquisition. Like we just we'll just say what everybody wants to hear, and then once once the acquisition is done, we're like, ah, I got you now. Here's the thing: I don't mind if it's a timed exclusive thing. But Heck, I don't mind like if it's permanent. I mean, I wouldn't mind, but then just don't go out and saying, hey, I'm David, and then when you're done, you're like, ah, I'm Goliath. <laughs> okay, maybe David and Goliath. Yeah, it works. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I guess, we'll, I guess time will tell, man. I guess time will tell. We'll have to run this um, by Havoc the next time he's on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, okay. The the I do want to talk about one more thing before. I mean, there are a few other things that I want to talk about. I, I do want to talk about one of these things because we were talking about um, Sony's controllers as well in the, with the Dual Sense, but maybe in the future this might not be an issue anymore because Sony filed a patent for, um, yeah, for uh, for controllers where you can map controls onto pretty much anything, including a banana. Or at least in the patent, in the patent example, they used a banana where the X, uh, the X and 
triangle button were mapped onto it with the use of cameras. I wonder um, if you actually physically have to press the banana or just tap on it because if it is that, you will end up with a pretty sticky, nasty mess in your hands. I don't know. At the very least, you don't have to worry about a banana running out of or batteries. What happens if you use like a bacabana, like a really big banana? Can the can the <laughs> sensor handle that, or really go like, no, 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 this is too big. I cannot. I don't know what you're what you're holding in your hand. Uh, please use a chiquita banana or something like that. No. <laughs> So basically, the whole point is that you can map the controls onto any object. So it can be a banana, but it can also be a grapefruit, a stick, or it could be. A, they didn't have an example of like two oranges, like using them as controllers. Really weird. Um, they also showed another patent of the possible new um, VR controllers, which look like flight sticks with a hand strip to it that can where you slip your hand into it and hold it like a joystick controller like for a plane um looks weird it looks interesting um i think we're going to hear a lot more about vr going this year at least because sony's already said like hey we're doing vr too and we'll just share more later i think we will like get bits throughout the year regarding vr because it's like they're doubling down on VR. It's a it's a headset with a with a single wire, and they've said that, like mm-hmm. they've got some new innovative ways to make the controllers, and some developments of the DualSense will find its way into the the controllers. So like probably haptic feedback and adaptive triggers and stuff like that comes to mind. Yeah, I I mean the DualSense is already. Outside of the issues that it's had, it's already proven to be have you, interesting. I, by the way, have you already played with the DualSense before? Nope. Thank I, you, I, did, I didn't know. I was genuinely... I thought maybe you nah. played with the, at your friend's place. Uh, because no, of, because, because, I've been, uh, because I've been in, uh, in lockdown for a while. Okay. Well, I've been in lockdown ago. for a while as well. So it's not the only one. But So, yeah, it's not that easy to just... Oh, man. That's the only aspect I miss from going to a game visiting a game store is trying out new systems yeah that's I imagine. Oh, man i missed out the funny thing is, is is because i was i was sitting on the couch yesterday and uh, i had my dualshock 4 in my hands and it felt so familiar it felt like you know i mean like for the longest of times the if you thought about a playstation controller you would think about the dualshock 3 because for like 15 years it was the same shape and then with the dualshock 4 um, it was like seven years. So like it felt really familiar. And now with the DualSense, I personally like the DualSense more because it just feels different. It has those cool new features. But there's something about DualShock 4 still when holding it that just feels familiar. It's like, how can I? It's like you, you get attached to something and then you get something better, but you're like, because you have that attachment to the old thing, you're like, I could, how could I? you away or how could i distance myself from you You, we had some great times together you know it's almost like that you're you're talking to your controller because you're like you you helped me with the with the leviathan axe in god of war or you know we swung through new york together you know with spidey and and miles and you know it's i don't know it's weird (laughs) oh that's that's adorable (laughs) oh i okay yeah i 
yeah, like weird controller patents aside, uh, I guess we can look forward to weird stuff coming from from uh, from PlayStation over the next coming years, assuming that they can actually make enough so that the scalpers lose. Um, but until then, I guess we'll just have to hope and wait and see what happens. I think the uh, the the market is shifting towards PC GPUs because. Yeah. Uh, of cryptocurrency, of course, and that mining is becoming interesting again. But I know that last week or the week before, there was another drop of PS5s in the Netherlands. Um, and if I look online now, people are asking like 750 for a PS5. And that's a whole different ballgame compared to over a thousand when it was in December or in November. So I yeah. think either GPUs getting more focus and also delivering more money, as well as that there's just more PS5s coming in constantly, is hopefully driving the price back down to the, the level it's supposed to be. It doesn't also feel that, at least in the Netherlands, it doesn't feel like a lot of people are scalping anymore because they're like, I kind of missed out. Um, I had my chance. I'll either use it for myself or I'll sell it for a normal price. Yeah. I mean, like I got to to order uh, a PS5 last week, or was it was the week before. I can't even remember. And the funny thing is, is I just went to the site of Ball.com and I saw it, and I thought, like, you know, let me try to buy one. And then, literally within ten seconds, I had bought a PS5. I just went through it so smooth. I'm like, holy crap! I ended up with a PS5. I'm like, I already have one. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with another PS5? And then, like, the first thing that came to mind was like. Let me just check if I know some people that want one and just sell it to them for the normal, regular price. Because that that feeling that they... I mean, I saw I sold it to someone I know. And like that feeling, that person... When I told that person, because I asked the person like before, like, hey, um, were you able to get one through Bowl? And she, and she said like, no, I, I, it didn't work. I tried everything. I just couldn't get it. I couldn't get the checkout. And I said like, hey, um, so I ended up with one and I didn't intend to end up with one do you want to buy mine? And she was like, but why don't you want to keep it? And I'm like, no, I already have one. And if I can just sell it to someone else and make that person happy with it, that's like the best thing I can do. I don't have any intentions to scalp it. I don't need to make money off of it because, you know, um, I, it doesn't feel right doing that. So the PlayStation came in the day after uh, I brought it to the person and like, genuine happiness it was it was so nice to see that person so happy with it and for me it was like a small thing to do i was just i bought a ps5 i sold it for the same price i paid for it which is the normal price and the impact it had on that person like that made my day i, th I really felt like hey i i think i would not have felt this great if i had scalped it and i had would have sold it for 800 euros because that feeling of well i made 300 euros would probably felt great but like after two minutes it would have been like eh, yeah i made 300 bucks extra on this ps5 whereas that feeling i had when i saw how happy that person was it was just it it made my day like it made my whole week i was like hey i was just able to make some someone happy by doing something simple or at least for me it was like little effort and like the impact it had it was it was really nice seeing that and i just wish that more people realized that and just did that because you know, we're all gamers and we all love our passion for gaming. So why should we try to earn off of each other? Um, 
that that would make us the same as a corporate entity. I mean, yeah, true. Let's all just be a David and not a Goliath. He's <laughs> <laughs> gonna keep bringing it up, isn't he? Okay. Um, there is one one more thing I really want to talk about before we go to what we've been playing, and that's only because it's kind of like a, a semi-breaking news thing because I only found about it, about it this morning. So there is this rumor going around that NVIDIA is going to be seizing the production of the Tegra X1 chip, specifically the same one that goes into the Nintendo Switch by the end of this year or something like that. So or, that or at least by, we're getting a new somewhere Switch around the end of this year. Well, there are a few caveats in there. Um, so Nintendo would still have the option to like buy a surplus from NVIDIA before they outright stop production of the chip so that they can have a surplus so that they can send that to the manufacturing plant and make more regular switches and switch lights because the switch and the switch light use that same chip. I know. Which is a big deal because if if that's the case, and even if you're saying, oh, okay, they're ramping up for like a next generation switch that comes with a different chip inside, what do you do for the people that want to buy a switch light, which requires the current Tegra chip? So I don't know what I, I I'm assuming they're if that's true they'll probably buy a whole bunch of those Tegra X1 chips to put in and we might actually see not just a revision of the current switch but also maybe the switch light because you can't say well we're putting the majority of our surplus into switch lights and just phase I mean they can if they want to because they've done it before they could just phase out the regular switch in favor of this new switch, whatever that's going to be, because they did it with the 3DS. When the new 3DS came out, the regular 3DS was phased out. You can you know, they could that. do like multiple SKUs, say like kind of like what PlayStation and Xbox does. Like you have a digital edition, and you have the the disc edition. So they could say like, okay, we're doing a Switch Lite and a I'll just call it Switch Pro because there's no better name for it. And we're doing a Switch Pro, and they say, share this. Some people are calling it Super Switch. Yeah, that, yeah that's a, like the Super Nintendo Switch or something. I really like that name. They should do that. <laughs> the Super Nintendo Switch, yeah. But, like, I mean, I can't imagine them saying, like, we're just going to keep the hardware from certain levels the same. So we'll use the same processor, for example, and same GPU, but we'll do, like, a Switch Lite so you can't dock it. Or... Yeah will use an LCD screen instead of an OLED screen. So, like, make enough differences, but may, on, on some levels keep it the same so that um, you just still have one component you can put into it. But at the same time, you incentivize people to say, like, hey, we have a cheaper option, which is, like, the 299 option or the 399 option. And if you want, like, the full-blown stuff, you can just go 499 Because I don't know if... if I think Nintendo users are willing to go that far, but I think that the console industry itself has proven that $4.99 is an okay price point. People are willing to pay. And heck, I'd even bet you if Nintendo goes the $4.99 route, people will still buy it. I don't think they'll go the $4.99 route. No, I don't, I don't think as well. But like, if they do it, people would still buy it. Probably, but yeah, like that's a. I mean, the only the only positive thing I can see from that coming out of that is that 
the the Switch Lite gets a boost because right now that is being sold for two twenty ish. Yeah, two twenty thirty, depending like on where that. you buy it. So I think that would get a way bigger boost in sales because that's the cheaper alternative at that point. I mean, you can't connect it to a screen, but it's still a cheaper alternative than buying something that's four ninety nine. Yeah. I think what will happen is that they'll phase out the current line, which like which is what they did with the original one with the original Nintendo 3DS and then have the new one replace it at that same price point. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, yeah because from what I understood is that they've deliberately waited for some components to go down in pricing such as OLED panels so that they could just do it at this price because they have like a price in mind. And I mean, that's probably the reason why they waited so long so they can yeah. do it at that price. Whereas with the Xbox and the PlayStation, they're like, yeah, no, 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 we want the best of the best or in a certain range. And we're fine selling the hardware at a loss. Um, whereas Nintendo probably makes a profit off of a, a Switch. And that's why the Vita doesn't exist anymore. Because Nintendo makes a profit off uh, the handhelds they sell? No, because Sony betted big and took a huge huge nosedive on the vita in terms of cost i mean that's why we had the the revision of the vita without the oled but then again that was yeah. in a time where oled was still really expensive yeah it was pretty so, new but yeah. i think like the ultimate demise of the vita was because they just didn't have the games for it which sounds so counter sony because sony always has the games for a certain platform but I mean, they never did a, a God of War on the Vita. They never did um, a GTA on the Vita. They never did a... Uh, uh, well, Rockstar a... never did GTA on the Vita. Yeah, but like, I think one so of the selling points... For the, decision. I think one of the selling points for the PSP was that like all the major PlayStation IP was on the, the PSP. The GTA games, the God of War games, the Ratchet and Clank games, the Jack and Daxter games, Gran Turismo. I mean, they brought a lot of their IPs to the PSP. And I think with the PS Vita, they gave up on it too soon. And maybe it's also because of the rise of mobile games at the time. I think that has partial to do with... I also think that they put in a lot of effort into like the the Vita and Uncharted game, and they did not see a return on that one. I, I don't know. But I don't know if the game ever sell, sold well enough, but I remember yeah, it I still to being like one of the prettiest games on the Vita. Yeah, but it also forced you to use the back panel for like unnecessary stuff. Yeah, that was also with Uncharted One. Like I, because because I think, I think that's one of those games that is not playable on the PlayStation TV. I don't know. You know the you know the the PlayStation Vita that did not come. Yeah, with I still I still want the PlayStation TV. I'm lo I'm looking for one if I can. Me find one. too, because I don't. There's games that I have on the Vita that I want to want to play, but I don't want to play it on the Vita. Yeah, I have the same thing. I have like the whole Metal Gear collection, and I don't want to play it on the Vita. I want to play it on a big TV. I re I'm really, I'm really still kicking myself because I, because I found one on sale back when they were going, the when when they were stopping the production of that one for twenty five bucks, and I never picked it up. That is, I if I were next to you, I would slap you so hard right now. I know. You, you are being saved I slap by myself. the yeah. I, I would I slap myself every day. <laughs> well, slap yourself harder. <laughs> on that note, on that note, uh, we'll be taking a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be talking about 
what we've been playing. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, with what we've been playing. Sean Templar, what have you been playing? I, uh, I'm currently in one of those uh, game dips I uh, sometimes have from time to time. So uh, I'm in one right now. Uh, but before I got into it, I was, uh, I've, uh, I, I, th- I think I've mentioned this before that I've uh, found an app and I put my backlog into the app and I'm trying to uh, slowly get through all those games. What's the name of the app, by the way? Um, it's called GG Game Tracker, I think. Uh, I'll uh, share it with you. Um, but it, it's a pretty handy app. You can, you, you, it has a database in it and you can just put games into it and you can put them into like a status. So you can say like, I want to play this game. I'm currently playing this game. I've beaten this game. I've 100%ed this game. So I, I went through my whole backlog and I looked at all the games that are in there and I asked my question like, do I really want to play this game? And based on that criteria, I made a list of what, 22, 28 games. Um, and so far I've been able to finish six games. So I am, uh, I am uh, going well, strong. I'm currently in a in a in a dip where in which I just don't feel like playing anything. But before I got here, I uh, I played uh, Ratchet and Clank, the one that came out on PS4 a couple of years ago, which mm-hmm. is um it's it's basically a remake of the first one on PS2. I remember playing that one, but I never played I've never finished it. So I think it was like last Saturday that I just fired up the game, and the day after I had finished the game. And um, yeah, it's it's a really nice game. I've uh, I've always I, I don't play a lot of like platformers to put it that way, but uh, these are this is one of those games that's just really fun. I mean, Ratchet is a cool character. Clank is a funny character. Um, there, uh, Insomniac is known for their goofy weapons, and there are a lot of goofy weapons in here. Like there's this um, there's this weapon I, I forget the name. But it's basically like a disco ball. When you throw it up in the air, mm. uh, all the enemies start to dance. So <laughs> you see like a disco ball turning. You see uh, music. You see light. You hear music. You see lights, and all the enemies are dancing. Even in a boss battle, you can use it. It's generally then just sh- shorter. Uh, it's a, that's a funny weapon. You have uh, like a pixel mater weapon that when you shoot at it, enemies become eight bit pixelized versions of themselves, <laughs> and then you can smash them with your wrench, and they fall apart into little cubes. Um, yeah, the funny thing about uh, the cool thing about the, the weapon mechanics is that you can level up a gun by using it. So it just by by using it, it levels up to a maximum of five. And then you can collect like these crystals, which you can use to further upgrade the weapons themselves, adding maybe like every weapon has like a unique trait. So that kind of those crystals uh, improve that trait of the weapon. So, for example, you have a flamethrower in the game. And by using the crystals, you can either improve the fuel efficiency of the flamethrower or you can spread the or make the length or the spread of the flame bigger. Um there is a rocket launcher in there, for example, that ha- it's called a predator uh, launcher. So it's like multiple little rockets that can target enemies and then all shoot at the same time. And then if you upgrade it, it becomes more rockets or it unlocks on faster and stuff like that. Um, really cool. Got me excited for the for the new Ratchet and Clank that's coming out. And even for a PS4 game that came out like a, a years ago, the game looks absolutely stunning. It is. It really felt like I was playing this. Pixar animation movie the whole time 
Um, they have cutscenes in there as well, and it just looks amazing. Um, they, they they tend to switch it up a bit, so there's like a little of combat in there, a little bit of exploration in there. Uh, sometimes you just have to get into one of your ships and do some flying missions around. Um, there are just multiple planets which basically function as the levels, and then when you get to the planet, the planet is basically the open world you can just go into. There are certain paths you need to follow, um, but there are also a lot of side activities, side objectives you can do, um, such as like uh, um, on one planet you need to save like this superstar hoverboard character, and then because he, he gets an injury, he says, oh, well, I can't participate in the championship. But because you saved me, here's my, my hoverboard. Maybe you want to participate in a championship in my stead, and then you can choose to go and participate in that championship. Um, yeah, I mean, I would recommend this game. It's it's free. It was free in the past with PlayStation Plus. Mm. Um, it's free if you have a PS5 because it's in a PS Plus collection. And now it's for free for all PS4 owners for a limited time because Sony has a, has a certain initiative um, going on. I, I forget the name. I think it's kind of something like Gaming at Home. Uh, stay at home, something like that. And they did it last year in which they had, gave a game away for free and they did all sorts of discounts around games. Uh, and they're doing the initiative again this year. Um, and then you can, you, Ratchet & Clank is basically selected uh, for that game. Let me just quickly look up the name of the initiative. Because uh, they made a post about it on the PlayStation blog. Recently? Yeah, 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 because uh, it's also something so they did last year, which was uh, because of the whole pandemic, of course. Yeah. It's not, uh, it doesn't happen to be called Free Games or Us. No. Play at Home. It's called Play at Home. Ah, Play at Home. Yeah, so it's like four months of offers for PlayStation games and entertainment starting March 1st. And so they're giving away Ratchet & Clank. You can just download it. You don't have to have a PS Plus subscription for it. Um, you can just download it, and it's in your collection. And they will do a lot of sales and other deals uh, in the next few months. So that that's really nice. Um, besides uh, Ratchet and Clank, I, uh, I started to play Mass Effect Andromeda again. I never finished Mass Effect Andromeda at the time. So I installed it on my PlayStation 5 and I'm just slowly playing through that. Mass Effect is a massive game. Yeah, so I think we had like a small technical difficulty there. But uh, after I finished Ratchet and Clank, I started playing uh, Mass Effect Andromeda again. Um, it's been a while since I played that game and I never finished it at the time. So um, yeah, I'm slowly playing that one right now. I'm trying to get ready for the, the Mass Effect Legendary Collection, which is coming out in May, which is, of course, the remake of all the games. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just trying to prepare for that. And I did something... I wouldn't say unprecedented, but I did something that surprised a lot of people, I think. Um, and it, it felt strange when I did it. But at the same time, it's it's nice to to explore another side of gaming. You play the uh, JRPG? No, 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 no. I don't, I don't, I'm not ready for that. No, I, I, uh, it's going to take a long while before I'm ready for that. <laughs> no, um, I bought a Switch, like an actual yeah. Nintendo Switch. Again? Again, this is the third time, and they always say third time's the charm. Yeah, better stick this time. Yeah, well, I've decided even if I'm not going to use it, I'll let it collect dust, but I'm not going to sell it off. Um, so basically what happened is, is I've, I, I was thinking about buying a Switch for a long while, but because of the pandemic, I think, the prices went up to like 400 euros, 
and I knew that they were 329 at the time before the pandemic. So I just was like, I refuse to spend 400 euros on a Switch. And then I was thinking about the Monster Hunter Rise one, but that's also 400 euros. Whereas if I buy them separately, I'll I'll be cheaper by 10 euros. So I, like, I think like a pretty sweet Switch for it though. It, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was uh, looking on uh, on a website I, I usually look at. They have like gaming news, tech-related news, and they also have like this second-hand uh, section. Tweakers.net, uh, right? Yeah, it's on Tweakers. So I was looking on Tweakers, and I saw a guy offering a switch for I think it was two seventy-five. So I messaged him. I said, "Hey, um, do you still have it?" And he said, "Yeah, I have it, but I already have an offer for it." And I said, "Like, hey, I can make you this offer, and if you're okay with it, I can pick it up tomorrow." And then I never heard back from the guy. I was like, okay, well, fine. And then like two days later, I saw another switch. And that person said like, hey, I bought this one in January of this year, but I'm not using it. It has a screen protector on it. I have the receipt. I have everything. Um, I checked his review. He had like 120 reviews. I'm like, well, yeah, no, this looks trustworthy. So I told him like, hey, man, I'm willing to buy it from you. Can you ship it to me? Because uh, you live too far away from me to drive. It was like, yeah, sure. And then I wired him the money. And within a couple of days, the switch came in. Um, and it was, as he said, everything looked a-okay. Um, I bought Animal Crossing because that game is so far out of my comfort zone. And I really wanted to know what all the fuzz was about. <laughs> <laughs> how's that? Okay. You have to tell me how your experience has been so far. Because like, you're the last person I ever would have imagined to buy Animal Crossing. So... Um, yeah, what, what was your, because we, ha I haven't, because I found out about it because you made a post on it on Instagram. I kept um, it up pretty, I was, I told no one. I, I kind of wanted to surprise <laughs> everyone with it. So I haven't visited your island yet and you haven't visited mine yet, which you should, because I have a bunch of stuff. I don't think I can, can you visit your free. island yet because I'm like, you don't I, have it. Yeah. You have the airport. The airport is set up, right? I think I've like I've played like two or three hours so far. I've okay. put a lot of time into it, so I'm like really discovering. I just I've like started to DIY craft stuff, yeah. but I'm I'm really like really beginning beginning of the game. But so far, I have to say it's it's nice, and I and I can understand why people lose so many hours into it because it's just this this constant purpose and and goal of. I want to know what's next. What can I do more? Oh, I want to find out. You know, I've I've caught some some I fished around. I've caught some cat uh some butterflies. Um I I'm going to tell you that Tom Nook character, Tom Nook is like the biggest crook out there. He is such a big crook. Like in in, in like people that know me and I always tell people this. People that know me, I have like a a spidey sense when it comes to people. And so, like, that spidey sense will always tell me if the person in front of me is, like, a person I can get along with or not. Like, I, and it's a pretty trustworthy spidey sense so far. I've, like, mm -hmm. rarely been wrong. And, when, and in real life, it's it saved me. And with games, I never rely on it. But when I saw Tom, Tom Nook, I was like, this guy, uh, 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 this is something, this guy is a crook. And then he just talks so smooth. And he's like, hey, I'm going to give you this for free. I'm going to be that. But keep in mind, you have to pay me back this. And I'm like, whoa, but we never talked about this being something I have to pay for. Why are you giving me all this free stuff and want so much in return for it? You know, and I've heard from other people that, and I think you mentioned it as well, like in Animal and other Animal Crossings, he was really a crook, like these loans he would do and stuff like that. 
Welcome to 2003. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, this is all new for me. So, like, what what is going on here? I, I mean, like, I, I like the, the gibberish they speak. It's really funny. I think yeah. it's like either English or Japanese sped up in a way because there are some words I can't pick out. So, yeah. So, animal animalese, as it's called, it does come in two versions. If you're playing it on the Japanese versions, it's basically Japanese sped up. Yeah. And when you're playing it in English, it's the letters sped up. So, like, A is sped up. So, it's like, A, B, B, B. And uh. when you string them together, it kind of sounds like words. Yeah, because they're like some but, words I could actually, I'm like, hey, he just said this. And you have to read the subtitles, of course. Yeah. But, like, when you listen to it, it's like, hey, this gibberish actually is not gibberish. Yeah, it, it, it's just yeah, it's sped, like sped up. up uh, yeah, it's sped up alphabet kind yeah. of. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It has its charm. But, uh yeah, so I mean that, and um, I also bought Breath of the Wild, of course, uh, which came in like a couple of days later. Uh, I found a good deal on that one because it's new; it's still sixty bucks, so I bought it for like thirty-five. Oh uh, wow, that's a good deal because they, yeah, it's not easy to find it cheap. Uh, I bought it secondhand, but like this person also just said, like, "Hey, I finished the game, and I don't do anything with it." I mean, yeah. there's not a lot of things you can do with a Switch cartridge, I think. Um, so I, 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 I'm still in the beginning of, of Breath of the Wild. I just, uh, I have to find all the shrines, the four shrines to get like the, the stasis and the stuff like that. Um, so far I've, I've mostly played in handheld mode, but I do like the appeal of playing it in docked mode, just like in my, with my other switches. I've pre-ordered the physical version of Hades, which is coming out, I think next week. Nice. Um, so it should be coming out because I really wanted to play Hades and I was okay watch, waiting for the PS4 version but when I got the, the Switch version I, like, I remembered hey they announced the physical version in the last direct um, I want Hades uh, physically so I just ordered that one um, I'm, I've decided to use the Switch as more like an indie machine so I'm just perfect. gonna yeah That's I'm just gonna for it. yeah because the last time when I had Switch I really struggled with like should I buy this game but it's also available on PS4 so why should I buy it on the Switch so like now because I've decided to play a lot of indie titles on it or use it mainly for that it's it's a lot more easier for me to just pick games because I know that um, a game I used to play on my phone Motorsport Manager is also available on Switch for 15 bucks it is? It is. Uh, so it's available for 15 bucks, and I'm like, uh, we're going to buy that one. I miss that? Yeah, and there is um, Stardew Valley. Is, is available on PlayStation and on PC, but I'm going to buy it on Switch. Yeah, uh, Stardew Valley. When you, when you start hitting that up, let's let's uh, let's let's team up on that one because the multi you have multiplayer on it, but that's a separate save file. Okay. So um, if you're going to do that, I kind of want us to do that multiplayer because it's, yeah, it's really sure. cool. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and um, I've downloaded that new Square Enix demo, Project Triangle, Square, yadi yadi Hexagon. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't started it up yet. I've also downloaded the Monster Hunter Rise demo yesterday, but also not started it up yet. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited because, you know, I'm okay playing outside of my comfort zone, and this is like a whole different ball game. I also want to play games like Astral Chain. Uh, I, I'm thinking about Super Paper Mario because that looks fun. I had a lot of people on Instagram who recommend me games, so I'm like really looking forward to going through some of those. Um, you know, just I'm, I'm I, I, for example, I want to play Marvel Ultimate Alliance three because I missed out on that. Uh, there's a lot of 
Yeah, I, it's hard to find because I've been looking around, but it's really hard to find it. Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to get it digitally. Yeah, I want to play Link's Awakening, you know, stuff like that. So I'm just really keeping my eyes out for all sorts of games. Uh, I'm probably going to pick up Pokemon Sword or Shield again. Um, maybe those new remakes for uh, that are coming out later this year. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited. It's just more that like I think I bought I, I bought it at the wrong moment because I'm in this dip, of course. But I, I, yeah, you can never see it coming. I mean, I felt really good coming off of all of those games I finished because I finished like six games in the first few months of this year, um, which is a lot. And I mean, I have I have a lot to play. It's just more like that. I don't feel like playing anything right now because I think I have that fatigue moment and it'll probably within a couple of weeks, it'll come back um, with maybe another game releasing such as Returnal or Outriders or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that... Um, I know it's not completely gaming related, or let me put it this like it's not like actually gaming, but there is one thing I would like to recommend that I watched, and that is a, a documentary around Nintendo, which is which came out this week, I think. Um, I quickly have to look up the name, but it's really something. Um, I think you'll like it as well. You'll probably know a lot. Well, of I think things. I know which one you're talking about. It's um, uh, now you're playing with power. Is that the one? Uh, playing with power, the Nintendo yeah. story. Exactly. Yeah, so I, did all the episodes come out? Because it's like a five-episode documentary series. Yeah, yeah it's five episodes. Um, like 45 to minutes to an hour. Um, and it really starts out with Nintendo being the the card company in the 1800s and slowly working its way to the Switch. Um, it's really cool because there are also insiders that, that worked on on uh, worked at nintendo they mainly approach it from the nintendo america uh point of view so you have like former marketing managers executives even reggie's in there for uh for like a couple of minutes um mm-hmm. it's on crackle i think i don't know if we have that in the netherlands uh i was able to watch it were you able to watch it through crackle? yeah no no i didn't watch it through crackle i could watch it in uh, from somewhere else um but yeah, it's definitely something I would recommend. Oh, yeah, I mean, Crackle is not available in the Netherlands. So. Ah, I mean, maybe, and, um, maybe VPN. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. You could try that. Too, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like I like documentaries in general, um, but this one was really nice because it like gave me a whole different view on the Nintendo stuff. I really liked how Nintendo was able to innovate in a way when the market used to when the market was pushing in a completely different direction. And they were able to, for example, with the with the GameCube, um, they kind of, yeah, it, it, I think that wasn't the best time for Nintendo from a console point of view. But it was cool to see in the documentary, at least that when, when everything looked like it was going to be console gaming and console gaming was the future, Nintendo doubled down on handheld gaming and came out with stuff like the, the DS and the, the Game Boy Advance and stuff like that. And that, I think, did save them a bit in that time. Um, but it's really cool to see, you know, their approach with those things. Um, so that is something I would definitely recommend. I, I like watched them all in two days uh, because I was completely in it. And, you know, um, if you like documentaries or if you're a Nintendo fan in general, I guess, um, this is something I would definitely recommend. You'll probably enjoy it. All right, cool. Yeah, I've, I've been I've been looking forward to it. Um, it's definitely something that's on my watch list, but I'll have to see where I can find it to, to watch it. Um... Yeah, 
it's unfortunate that it is on Crackle because last time I checked, Crackle is a free service. So um, I think it's a free service because it works with ad or, ads or something. I don't know. But yeah, um, cool. Nice. That That is something to actually look for. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> um, and that's basically, I think, everything I played. Well, I've played, so I've been playing a lot of stuff here and there. Um, I think the last time we talked, I said that I was on the verge of finishing Uncharted, uh, one. Uncharted 1. Well, I finished 1, then I started playing 2, and then I finished 2, and I'm starting with 3. So I might think about uh, maybe an hour or two in or something. I'm at Chapter 5. I'm at, um, if you've played the game, it's early stuff, so it's not really spoilerific. I'm in uh, Syria now, so I was in France, and some stuff happened in France, which was not awesome. And... I hate the spider part of the France level. Ooh, yeah, that was... Uh... Yeah, um, if you're an arachnophobia, that is not a good part for you. Um, I hated it because whenever whenever Uncharted tries to make you run into the screen, it's just the worst time ever um, in terms of controls. Um, outside of that, uh, I'm liking three more. Um, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I'm liking the gameplay feel of three more than I did for one and two. Two was way better than one. That I will attest to. But I still felt there was a bit of an imbalance when it came to gameplay. Um, sorry, not gameplay, but gunplay versus exploration. And three seems to be have seems to have a better um, a better deal with exploration and puzzles than one and two did. Two feels way more like a movie than one did, so I'll give it that at least. And the storytelling was way better, and um, the characters were way more better. Um, written, I feel, than was in one, at least. Um, especially the the final boss. The final boss was actually fun because it was actually it felt like a final boss battle, unlike in Uncharted One, where it didn't really feel like a boss battle. It just it was just a another level, and you were done. Um, I like the boss battle in Uncharted Two, but that's more because I'm a fan of. The boss in Uncharted 2, Lazarovich. <laughs> Lazarovich is so weird. Drag! <laughs> you think you can stop me? He's so what cool. is that accent, by the way? I could not for the life of me place that accent. I think it it's felt, uh, from uh, Eastern Europe. It felt very Eastern European, as in very, what's the word I'm looking for? Stereotypical. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You cannot place it. Um, kind of like how people's like, I, I don't think I've ever talked about this on the podcast, but whenever I'm talking to people that are, for example, from the U S or from the UK and they hear my English accent, most people think that I'm American, which I'm not, I've been to the U S literally once back in 20, 2005, when things were kind of bad and people thought, well, things can't possibly get any worse. Mm. All right. Um, but uh, yeah, that's literally the only time I've ever been into the U.S. Um, 
so yeah uh people tend to be like well i try to have fun with it and ask them well where do you think i would be from if you're listening to my accent and most of the time people say like east coast but they can't generalize it to a specific point and that's like well that's what you get from learning it from the specific place that's what lavarovich's accent is like it's like eastern european but where like lithuania uh belarus czechoslovakia russia you don't know <laughs> it's, it's know. So, such a weird accent but it's so typical and like so it almost felt like a bond villain that's not a bad thing it's not a bad thing but it's so it that just makes it even more funny to me at least that made it uh, i i love th- that's the aspect of lavarvich i love just the the over the top villainness of him all oh yeah you betrayed me poof dot <laughs> i love the way you use the word dot which is dutch but uh <laughs> <laughs> which means dead yeah <laughs> i'm sorry i don't i'm sorry i slipped into my dutchness right there but come on that dude is so hilarious yeah oh man i love I, this i love this final boss battle too he's like oh you can't stop me drake and it's yeah. like yeah yeah i know man you're you're done for it. you're done i i actually got the platinum trophy for uncharted 2 and 3 and you have to finish the game on crushing difficulty i can tell you if you have to deal with lazarevich on crushing in the last boss battle Mm -hmm. i was really screaming because it felt like he was so strong and so powerful and i mean i I got the trophy but it was really hard yeah i'm i'm gonna be completely honest i'm playing all of these games on easy all right if as long as you're fun right because the most the, the thing with the uncharted games and i and uh especially with two and three i'm feeling this more and more it's way more interesting to experience the ride than to force yourself into a position where you're just screaming at the tv because another firefight went completely horribly wrong yeah, I usually, I, what I do is I always play them normal. And then if I want to get the trophy, I do the trophy. But like my first playthrough was always on normal. Yeah. Yeah, my first playthrough on Uncharted 1 was on easy. And even that took me like forever. Um, but yeah, I have to, so I'm the, the, I'm playing through the Nathan Trick collection, which is, I think, the first three games. So um i'm gonna see if i'm gonna uh, right now like i said i just started with that with three um i'm gonna make sure that i finish that one hopefully before uh, monster hunter comes out because when that comes out all bets are off (laughs) all bets are off i don't know if i'm gonna be finishing games around that time but hey at least look at it this way i've at, at this point i've finished a lot of games in the past couple of months um so that's good. Um, in between that, in between playing Uncharted, I've also picked up Animal Crossing again um, because we're, well, I think the, the release date was the 20th. So the one year anniversary of Animal Crossing is coming up. They released some Mario stuff that I've been collecting um, in part thanks to uh, uh, one, of, uh, uh, one of the new friends that I made on Instagram called Liam. Um, shout outs to Liam. Uh, check him out. He's awesome. <laughs> I know he's a, he's a, he listens to this podcast. So I think he'll, uh, he'll like to mention. Uh... Yeah. If you, if you're on Instagram, check him out. Uh, it's uh, Liam town. Uh, he, he posts some cool shots. 
uh, from where he lives and from cool shots from his uh, from gaming it's, stuff related. It's, it's always funny that but... he posts, like recently he's been posting like stuff out of his life. And for some reason, it's been a lot of stuff in the woods. And like every time I look at his post, and that's also the comment I always post, like <laughs> it feels like I'm watching something out of The Last of Us. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I mean, the, granted, he did have one where he was literally playing guitar and he has his uh, husky um, yeah. sitting beside him. So that that does feel a lot like uh, The Last of Us. But um, yeah, I, I've been trying to recreate like this small part of my island into like the Mushroom Kingdom with all the uh, Super Mario items. And one of the oh, by cool the way, help me out. I have yeah. a question regarding that. I see a mm. lot of people bringing in like do, building stuff in the game. But yeah. for example, Liam was talking about that he wanted to add uh, something like out of Ghost of Tsushima to the game. But how? He had stuff that looked like it came out of Ghost of Tsushima. But how did you do that? Is it like that you can import stuff into the game? Or is it that there's just so much stuff in the game that just really looks like a lot of stuff from other games? Yeah, so you're way too early into this, but I'm going to explain how this works. So eventually you unlock uh, the Able Sisters. um, And the Able Sisters are the tailors of the game. So that's where you get, you know, clothing and accessory items and stuff like that. Eventually, you gain access to the creator network. So in the game, you're able to make your own patterns. Mm-hmm. So you can make your own outfits. Uh, you have regular stuff. You can just like make single panel, um, uh, single panel uh, uh, designs. But mm-hmm. you can also do pro design, where you completely customize an entire outfit. Okay. You can customize a hat. You can customize a shirt. And what people do is, like, they go into that next level. I do not have that patience. I do not have that capability of doing that. The best that I did back in the day, with because they did this with New Leaf um, back on the 3DS, is I made Ness's shirt, Ness from Earthbound. And that's okay. a really simple shirt if you've seen Ness. It's just uh, blue and yellow stripes. Or red and yellow stripes, depending on, like, if you're talking about Ness or whatever. Um, That's it. (laughs) That's all I did. Some people are making these elaborate costumes and elaborate designs, and you can basically put them next to each other like a puzzle. So they've been doing that. So um, once you reach that point where you can actually... uh, you know, download other people's creations. They actually made it, they actually updated that as well, which I didn't know. Because first you had to know specifically what someone made. You had to have the code for it mm-hmm. so that you can download it. So people were sharing codes. Now they added a search criteria to that function. So now you can just type in a keyword, like for example, Mario or Ghost of Tsushima, and you get a whole bunch of stuff related to that as long as that's part of the name of the creation. So I think that's how he's been able to find stuff. You can also go online and say like Animal Crossing, New Horizons, Pro Design, Ghost of Tsushima. And I'm sure you'll find a whole bunch of contributions that people have made. Yeah, because that was my question, if you can share it with each other. Yeah, you can share that stuff online. You can make it available for public and um, you can favorite like your favorite creator so that you can see all the stuff that they made. Nice. which makes it a lot handier. So you can always go back to 
like people that you think like are making really great designs. I recently downloaded a bunch of Mario related stuff and I made this like someone made this made this super giant like 16 bit mural of Mario from Super Mario World. And it's like it consists of six panels, so I had to put each panel down on the ground until it was a complete image, but it still looks like really good. Nice. It's really crazy. I'll I'll show it to you once you're able to fly into my vi- into my village, um, and then I'll show you like I'll show you my town and like stuff like that, and I'll let you have some of my DIC uh, D- DIY uh, recipes because I keep getting stuff that I already know how to make. Mm. So that's like a little bit of the positive stuff. Like if you if you're new and you're visiting someone who's been playing for like the past year, that's the most fun because then you get a lot of stuff that you normally would have to play days for it to get and then like in a matter of minutes you're getting like a whole bunch of diy recipes (laughs) yeah so a friend of mine came by a while ago and she just got animal crossing um this is the same this is the same friend that i play Fortnite with uh every now and then um she lives in japan i was like i had a whole bunch of recipes and she came in and was like here are some recipes and she's like how much can I take? I'm like, all of them. She's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, just take them. It's the resale value of them are poor, so I don't sell them. It's way more fun to give them to people that need it or, you know, so she was so happy. Um, but, it, but she literally took everything because she was new. And by the time Liam, Liam visited, I only had like a little bit left mm. uh, because I had started to, uh, acquiring new stuff. So I, I was like, here, Liam, here, like take a bunch of stuff. Um, so you were, uh, you were a David. Really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of being a Goliath, you were a David. I can appreciate that. analogy. Um, but yeah, like you said, man, it's way more fun to share that kind of stuff and just have yeah. people be happy. Yeah. Um, so I've been playing Animal Crossing. I don't check in every day, but I try to check in as often as I can. I made some extra money, so that's nice. I'm really um, looking forward to the whole turnip part and the stock market and stuff. Oh, I'll 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 teach you about the the the, the stock market. Don't worry about that. It's, oh, uh, nice. It'll drive it'll drive you insane. <laughs> <laughs> so outside of that um yeah like i said i have a friend in japan who i play Fortnite with so i've been playing Fortnite again not every yeah. day just once in a while i did like on my second day back got this beautiful victory royale where it was just me and two other people yeah and i was in the showdown with this other guy from this from this building and I was my HP was almost gone by the way I was like at I had no healing items no shield I was at I think 33 health That's after bad. this after this shootout I had three health oh, and there was shit. one person left I couldn't find him the storm was really tiny and it made no sense because outside of the building that I was in I made this little structure so that I can try and, you know, have the higher ground. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find this person anywhere. And then all of a sudden I hear footsteps in the sand and I keep looking around I'm like, where is this guy? And this guy was just walking on the perimeter of the storm, 
He didn't see me at all. I'm like, okay. So I shot him a couple of times and I missed. This dude still has no idea where I am. So I jump out of my tower. I walk up to him and I shoot him and I'm done. What? I'm like, what the heck was this guy even doing? How did he survive for so long? (laughs) It made no sense Uh... to me. And he was out in the open. He wasn't, like, in a building. He wasn't in a structure. He was just picking up stuff at the periphery because people died there. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, that was oh, that was so bad. Um, but, yeah, I was finally able to get the remaining uh, uh, V-Bucks. So I bought the Battle Pass. So now I have the Mandalorian. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, because I haven't played in a while, and it kind of does the same thing that MMOs do now. So if you haven't played a while, um, you get this supercharged XP, so you get an XP boost when you play again. Okay. So I've been just tearing through the levels like crazy. I'm at, like, level two of the Battle Pass already, and it only took me, like, a day and a half and, like, a few matches. Like I Do you play it in docked mode or handheld? I don't like playing it in handheld mode because the okay. fidelity is a little bit too low for me. Okay. Um, so I play it in dark mode so that the fidelity is a little bit better, but I've no, but yeah, like the Switch version has a lot of pop in, but I've uh, accepted that. So yeah, that's uh, something I have to get. I have to get a pro controller because uh, I don't know if, if you have this issue, but when I play in handheld mode, it's I don't no, but I don't know if it's the the material of the Switch. Well, it feels like my hands are getting a little bit sweaty, or like oh, I don't... weird, really. Yeah, but like I don't have that issue with any other controller. But well, like when I play it in in docked mode or in handheld mode, I feel like like it, oh, I don't know if it's sweaty, but it almost feels like my hands are getting sweaty on the back of the switch. Mm-hmm. I've never yeah. ever had that with a controller, so I'm like constantly having that issue. That's why yeah. I want to get a switch uh, pro controller, maybe a case for the switch. Get the Monster Hunter Pro controller; it's sexy. I've been looking at it. Uh. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I haven't. I, wow, that's the first time I've heard of it. Uh, if there's anybody out there that has a similar issue with holding the switch in handheld mode, please let us know because that's literally the first time I'm hearing of it. Um, outside of that, I've been playing some stuff here and there. I started playing the demo again because the demo for Monster Hunter Rise got an update with the uh, flagship monster, Magnamalo, and oh my gosh, why, 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 why? So, the monster is beatable, but you have to do it in multiplayer, because you only get 15 minutes to beat that monster, and that monster will take you down in like a few hits, if you're not careful. And that dude has a wild fighting style. So, I wasn't able to beat him on my own, obviously. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, we definitely have to tackle that at least with like two other people um, before we could probably even do that. So I think I'm going to save Magnamalo for when the game finally comes out. But I would, yeah, I want to play that a little bit in co-op just to get a feel of it Um, because it is a bit more different than the other games before it. It's a little bit, it's kind of like Monster Hunter World, but there are things that are different from World from this. So I'm really looking forward to it. They made a bunch of quality of life decisions, uh, the changes to the game that I found out because they had this big event 
wow, I didn't even talk about it in the news section. They're like this. They had this really big multi-day event uh, where they were talking about it and showing off new stuff, like the Rampage and stuff like that. It was like super crazy and awesome. So I've been playing the demo a bit just to get me hyped again because it, you know, it was taking a bit too long, so I got it simmered. But seeing all that new footage and playing the demo games, like, yes, Monster Hunter, let's go. Wow. Um, okay. <laughs> so uh. I've been playing that. I also picked up, finally, Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Oh, nice. Just before it went out of sale. Yeah, because it's like, it's going to disappear from the eShop on the 31st. So I played it a bit. I played Mario 64 a bit in handheld. It looks fine. It plays fine. And then I started, decided to play Galaxy because I want to play Sunshine with the GameCube controller, but I didn't want to set up that. So I was like, you know what? I'll just play Galaxy. And I started playing Galaxy with the Pro Controller, and it felt so weird because you have to use the motion controls of the Pro Controller to aim the the uh, the reticle you know, because they basically, they couldn't take out the weakness of the game. So they had to map it to different aspects. So if you play, for example, Galaxy in handheld mode, you can like tap on the screen to shoot star bits and stuff like that and to gather star bits. But if you're playing docked, you have to either use the Joy-Cons as a remote and nunchuck nunchuck sorry which is the recommended mode or you can play with a pro controller but then you have to use the the motion sensing and the pro controller to aim on the screen and you can reset the aim with the r button but it's the way you hold a controller is not very handy to use as a pointer so i wouldn't recommend playing it that way i would recommend using the left joy con as the pointer um, and then the right Joy-Con, you know, just to move and stuff. And it feels way more natural that way. Okay. So I, I've played it. It's nice. It's very pretty in HD. Um, and it is 1080p. I checked. Nice. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's so that was really nice. Like it, it felt really nostalgic playing Mario Galaxy again. But it also felt a bit antiquated after playing Odyssey. So... <laughs> um yeah so it's really yeah it's it's been it's been fun picking that up again i'll probably play sunshine somewhere down the road um but it's nice to have the physical copy but i because i was really struggling like should i get physically should i get digitally well physically it's nice because then you have something to hold and you know that it's not going to get lost forever um digital always still has that weird stigma like will i be able to play it eventually down the road if the servers ever go down um so yeah especially since the the we the we eat the we the we good grief the we shop channel is dead the dsiware shop is dead um you can't download stuff anymore from that so yeah digital kind of feels mm, in that regard, so I'd rather have something like that, like a collection physically, and I'm glad that I did. I got it uh, 10 years cheaper, so that was nice. Um, that is including shipping costs. So, um, I don't know if I'm going to buy it. I mean, I mean, I like the Super Mario Sunshine on a GameCube at the time. 
Um, I never played the other two, but like I would only buy it for Sunshine. But um, I think like if I wait long enough, I'll probably be able to get it for cheap secondhand. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. Um, and the other thing that I played was um, also disappearing on the 31st is Super Mario 35. I have still not gotten first place in that game, and that is so frustrating. I want to at least get first place on that game at least once before that service is shut down forever. Because I see, keep seeing people getting first. Like, even my friend in Japan got first, and she was like, look, I got first in Mario 35. I'm like... <laughs> Is it, it's like a battle royale game or something yeah that's the battle royale game that it's kind of like tetris 99 but it's playing mario one okay and it loops like if you uh when you you can get it when you get the um when you do the switch online trial so i recommend mm -hmm. downloading it and playing it um because it's really it's a really weird experience playing mario one with like 34 other people <clears throat> How does that work? Um, well, you, uh, it's so hard to explain. But basically, <laughs> you choose you choose a level. Basically, when you start for the first time, you choose one one, and you and you all start from one one. But as you play through the loops, the loops get a little bit more different because whenever you defeat an enemy, it turns into junk that you send to other players. Mm -hmm. Kind of like how you play. Um, competitive Tetris when you get a line it sends junk lines to the other person okay. but with Mario 35 it sends junk enemies to the other players so oh. at, when you, the more you play the more enemies that suddenly appear in your screen and then it doesn't feel like the game that you've been playing now you just have a bunch of random enemies appearing like for example you can have bloopers appear in 1-1 because someone was playing was made it all all the way to world three two where there's bloopers and then when you defeat a blooper it sends it to the other person. Oh that's nice. And you work on a time limit. So whenever you defeat an enemy you get like one, two or five seconds or fifteen seconds extra time. So you have to work against the clock, work against people sending you enemies and you of course sending them enemies. Wow. <laughs> so it's, I don't know if my brain can handle that. Yeah, just just look at it this way. Don't worry about what people are sending to you. Just make sure you don't die. That's easier said than done. Yeah, it is because it because the early game is very easy. A lot of people drop off, but once it's like less than five, it's just an endurance race. Okay, it's just an endurance race because at a certain time the timer speeds up. To, to finally get someone to, like, make a mistake and die. And the last time I got to three and I almost threw my controller against the screen. Because that was... I felt that the way that I died was very cheap. Because I just had so many enemies on screen and there was no way for me to get past it. And I made a stupid mistake and I fell into a pit. It's like... Oh, bastard. That sucks. Um, so I played that. Um, the old, also the odd reason that I played that is because you could get free 350 Nintendo points. Um, what are Nintendo points, by the way? Because I've seen people talk about that. Uh, so you have this, you have, you have the gold and silver points. Yeah. So 
the gold points you earn by buying games, uh, okay. depending on how you buy them. For example, if you buy a game physically new and you register it to your system, you can only do it once. So if you try to register a, um, a used copy and that person already redeemed the, 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 the points, you can't redeem it again. Okay. Um, but for example, if you buy a new game physical, you get 60 points. That mm. equates to 60 cents. Okay. And if you buy it digitally, you tend to get more gold points. Oh. And they try to incentivize people buying first-party games digitally by, oh, you get like double the points. So instead of like 150 points, you get 300 points. And one gold coin equates to one cent. So if you have, for example, 800 points, you have eight euros to spend. Okay. So if and what can I spend the euros on? On the eShop. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. The gold points. The silver points is what you use for my Nintendo, where you can get either digital stuff in-game or what they started doing now is um, buying physical stuff with it. Or okay. buying physical stuff on the cheap. Like, for example, you can, if you have 400 silver points, you can use that to buy a uh, Animal Crossing New Leaf tote bag, which is like an in-game, it looks like an in-game item because it has the branding of the um, the airport. So the, I think the, the Super Toto Nintendo Airlines. had that, right? Super Nintendo had one now. Super Nintendo, I think he did like a, a thank you. I saw something on Instagram about him doing have, getting it. Ah, yeah, yeah. I think he did something like yeah. I think I saw something like that. Um, I don't know if he got the tote bag. He got something else. He hmm. got something else. Like every region has like a slight difference in kind of stuff. Um, Japan tends to have the best stuff. Always, of course they do. Um, yeah, but like recently they added a bunch of stuff that you can get that was related to the Mario 35th anniversary stuff, uh, which was really cool. So you can do that. And then you don't, you only pay for the shipping fee. So the item is free, but do you pay for it to get <laughs> shipped to you? Which if, because everything is coming from Germany, because that's where Nintendo of Europe is headquartered, it costs like seven bucks to get it shipped out here. That's the only reason I haven't gotten the tote bag because I'm like, yeah, the tote bag is free, but I'm paying for like seven bucks shipping fee, well, <laughs> which is not a lot, but it, it, I know it kind of sounds petty for me to say that, but <laughs> still but if you like uh, do more stuff, can, can you do that? Can you like order more stuff in one go? Uh, I don't know. Because then I would just say, like, save it up and just do one big order and then just pay the shipping once. I think you can only do that per item, but I have to double check for that. I'm not 100% sure on that. But, uh, yeah, uh, played Mario 35. What else did I play? Um, the, did I, play? I played a bunch of stuff on my Switch, and I have to really think about it. Uh yeah, I played a bunch of demos. Um other than yeah, insignificant stuff. The only one the only other thing that I did play that I do want to talk about is I played <laughs> I started playing Kid Icarus Uprising again on my 3DS. Wow. And the and I already finished that game. I already I didn't complete it, but I did finish it. I've like played the final boss, but it's just been 
I missed that game so much. It was such a fun game. And the only reason that I can think of that that game hasn't gotten a port to Switch yet is because Sakurai is still working on Smash. And he worked on Kid Icarus Uprising when it came out on 3DS. He was the director of that game. So I think if Nintendo were to uh, do a re-release, they would probably ask Sakurai to do a re-release on Switch. But considering that he's still working on DLC for Smash Brothers, um, which I also played, by the way, because the new DLC character came out, Pyramithra, um, all I can say is they play nice. I mean, it's fine. It's a really cool character to have, um, you know, despite people's grievances. It's a really cool dynamic because it feels a bit old school. Um, And when I say old school, I'm talking about back when Zelda and Sheik were one character. You can switch between them whenever. Um, Because now you can switch between Pyra and Mithra whenever you want. And one of them feels... Like like her attacks are Pyrus attacks are more meaty, but as a character she's slower, and Mithra is way faster, but not as strong as Pyra, despite the fact that her specials land harder. Um, but like if you want to build up some quick like quick damage, you use Mithra, and then you just switch to Pyra to smash him out of the the arena with like a smash attack or whatever. And it's like this really cool balance that you're trying to maintain. Um, yeah, that character feels nice. I can't wait to see what the next character is. And I'm, I've, I've pretty much given up all hope for Monster Hunter being a character in Smash because they added a bunch of new Me Fighter skins that are Monster Hunter. And I was like, well, you know, it's not happening anymore. I'm done. I'm done waiting for them. Um. I'm just going to be sad forever. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's I think that's about it. Yeah, I played a lot of a bunch of other stuff here and there was like insignificant little stuff. Um, but those are the stuff that I that I thought that I played that I, you know, enjoyed. Nice. Which brings us to the end of this episode. Yes, it is um been a long one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little over two hours. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, yeah, so thank you everybody for tuning in uh, for another episode of Game Rivals. Um, we're we're on the all podcasting platforms as far as I know, or all the major ones such as Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, uh, Google Play Podcast. I always I think it's called Google Podcast. Um, you can also leave a voice message through Anchor. The the, script, the link is in the description. You don't have to create an, an account for that. You can just uh, leave us a message if you want to or a question, for example. Um, you, um, wow. Uh, yeah, that. Uh, I'm thinking <laughs> about multiple things at the same time. Uh, we're available on social media. You, know, you can find us on Twitter at game underscore rivals underscore. Uh, you can also find Maximilian on Twitter at Maximilian. Um, we're also on Instagram uh, at Game Rivals. That's where I'm mostly at. Uh, Maximilian has uh, his own page at Maximilian underscore X. Um, I keep on saying it, but do check it out for all that Nintendo goodness. Um, I think that will mostly be where the Nintendo goodness is. Uh, you aren't doing it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm more of a PlayStation guy. So, you know. Uh, um <laughs> 
this, I mean, I, that's what I think. Uh, maybe I'll have an epiphany and sell my PlayStation and just go all in on the Switch. People will <laughs> probably declare me crazy if I do that. Um, yeah, so we're on uh, we're on Instagram. Um, we have an email address, gamerivalsfeedback at gmail.com. You can email us there, or if you have any feedback for us, it's always welcome. Um, if you're listening to this episode, we're sure we're thinking about doing an, uh, an AMA, Ask Me Anything. Um, I think Maximilian will do a few on his stories on, on Instagram. I'll do a few on the Game Rivals one so that you can just, if you have any questions, leave us the questions. Uh, if there's enough, if people have interest in it, we'll uh, maybe be able to do a segment around it uh, in, in an upcoming episode. Um, we're also doing, we're also looking at more guests. Um, we personally like the episodes with the guests because they give us a different perspective. So we have a few more uh our guests' appearances lined up, which we'll hopefully do in the next coming weeks. Um, if you want to suggest an area or like a, a guest or maybe a topic that you want us to look at, uh, do feel free to let us know. You can do that either through through the, the, the podcast way, like the Game Rivals email address, or through Instagram, um, whichever you prefer. Um, I think it'll be fun to do more community-driven stuff instead of us coming up with all the stuff constantly. Um, and hopefully also um, we're getting closer to E3 and Gamescom this year. So we're also trying to do more stuff, especially with E3 not be happening last year, which was kind of sad. Um, we hope to do more around that in uh, this year as well. And I think with that, I've covered them all, have I not? Yep. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, on that note, I have been and always will be Sean Templer. And I have been and always will be Maximilian X. And we'll catch you on the next one. Later.